Welcome to the 47th episode of the Toledo Matters Podcast. With you today is your host, Bob Tucker, your co-host, Danny Woodcock, and myself, Nathan Lewis. Hello. Uh, with us today, we have uh, Nate Walk, who's going to talk to us about some things he does around here, including Code City and uh, trying to get a Hyperloop uh track to go through toledo and you may not know what that is and we're not going to go into it but but it's, it's like cool. it's like the future the future is here it's, now it's, it's pretty, Jetsons, pretty yeah. sci-fi episode for sure and it's coming right through toledo yeah, yeah and these are some pretty heavy topics so we're going to get right to it but first don't forget to subscribe to the podcast leave us a review we'd love that uh follow us on facebook and instagram at toledo matters and without further ado here is nate walk Today with us, we have Nate Walk. Welcome to the show. We appreciate welcome. you coming. Welcome, welcome. Thanks, guys. It's an honor to be here. An honor? Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You've really, we well, really stepped Danny it up Woodcock, a notch. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Nate, uh, we appreciate having you on. We're going to talk about some of the cool things you're doing, but first, a little bit about your background. Where, where do you come from? Are you from the area? Are you from elsewhere? I was actually born in Jackson, Ohio. Have you guys heard of that? Mm, nope. No. <laughs> really far south. It's maybe an hour south of Columbus, almost to the Kentucky border. Okay. Um, so I was born there. I lived there until I was five, and we, I moved to West Virginia, and I was there for about five years. My stepdad got transferred all over the Midwest at, when I was a child, so lived outside of Chicago for a while, and then finally ended up in the Toledo area um, in high school. Nice. So I've been here for a couple of decades. Which high school? Genoa. Okay. I did my yeah. last two years of high school there. Nice. So, yeah. And um, what did you do after school? What was your first uh, professional foray? I really struggled in my 20s. Um, <laughs> it was about as bad as it could be. Uh, I, I worked at UPS right out of high school. I was there for four years. Um, and at the time, that was a great job. It paid really well. It was very physically demanding. Um, I went from there to... Um, loss prevention department for a local retailer and that was one of the most fun jobs i've ever had loss prevention so you're like, like, like preventing spying on people who are shopping <laughs> <laughs> that was part of it yeah there was definitely the 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 petty theft was a huge thing um i focused on uh check investigations there was a lot of check fraud Ooh. um uh not not just stolen checks but also like artificially created checks um so it was it was really neat did you ever tackle a shoplifter? No, we did have several restraints, though. Um, and we were taught there was a matrix of actions we were supposed to take to try to avoid that at all costs. Right. But I was involved in several restraints. Um, I think that was part of over 150 apprehensions. Most of them were without incident. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, those are the ones that aren't fun, I guess. But I have a friend who used to do that for Walmart, and he was saying, like, bro brony toys, double a batteries and like something others like condoms or something were like the three things oh okay just, constant, okay just hitting like, all the bases there. basically like yeah. things that are expensive that you need or things that you're embarrassed to buy just get stolen were they shoplifted together probably <laughs> <laughs> i don't know probably yeah yeah those would be common and items that are really small but of high value things you could conceal easily and then return for a large amount of money that was Ooh, the most popular right yeah and then uh so at some point, you decided you've had you had enough of catching people floating bad checks, and what did you what did <laughs> yeah. you doing? Well, what happened was I've always had this ability to draw. Um, one of my strengths is pencil illustration, so all my cool. life I've drawn, and people would always say to me, "Hey, you know, you should uh, can you create my logo?" Um, and then they would say, "You should turn this into a business." 
And it took me a really long time into my late 20s to realize that this was actually a career called graphic design. (laughs) I'm a little slow sometimes. Um, So I kind of made that shift around that time into learning at the, it was, would have been the late nineties, learning the Adobe software, Photoshop, Illustrator. And that was my such a pain. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know you did that too. So very small. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was the beginning of my, set me on the trajectory that I'm on now. And so did, did you go and work for somebody? You start your own business? What'd you do? I did. I started my own business. Um, and so you didn't formally train. You just kind of bought the software and started playing then? Yeah. I was very fortunate in that a couple of good friends of mine at different times kind of took me under their wing and showed me things that I would have had to go to school to learn. Mm-hmm. Sure. So... I don't want to call them internships, but they were very internship like <laughs> they had their own companies and they brought me on and paid me barely enough to stay alive and uh, showed me everything I needed to, to Probably know. Probably better than going to school for it anyways. Actually, in retrospect, I, I yes. So yeah. <laughs> no debt. Yeah, exactly. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get involved in... In downtown, we're going to talk about two things, Code City and the Hyperloop. And let's start with Code City, because I think that one started first, right? Yes, it did. Okay, tell us a little about that. Okay, so I was inspired by a friend of mine, I think four years ago. We were in his living room, and he said, Nate, uh, there's this thing called a coding boot camp in New York. Mm -hmm. It was called General Assembly. And he said, it's a three-month program, 12 weeks, where I will go and live, and I will eat, breathe, and sleep code. And when he told me this, it just kind of went in one ear and out the other. And I thought, oh, okay, that sounds cool, live in New York. So he did that. He came back. And not much long after that, he said, I just got hired at Amazon. Yeah. So I said, whoa, whoa, okay, back up. Tell me what this code boot camp is again. (laughs) Right. And uh, so for a very short period, I tried to code and realized that I'm not a computer programmer. Uh, My brain melted like the first half hour. And but I've always been around that kind of people who are programmers and graphic designers often will work closely with people who are building websites. And so I always wanted to be that and I'm just not cut out for it. Um, So long story short, uh, started asking the question, does Toledo have a code boot camp? And I was completely outside of the existing tech community here. Didn't Mm -hmm. know that there were all these awesome, amazing groups that existed. And, um, we interviewed a couple of um, a friend of mine, Matt Molnar, who is uh, oh yeah yeah you know Matt don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, talk to him about this first. He actually has a degree in computer science and ran the idea behind by him. And he said, "Oh, I think it's amazing. We should have one here in Toledo." Talk to a few other people, and that was how that was the core idea of how Code City was started. So it's a coding boot camp. Yes. Okay. A coding boot, and hence the name, right? Yeah. So how long does it last? Well, the code boot camp goes, they're different lengths, but 12 weeks is typical, summer 18, summer nine months. Okay. Now, yeah. So we morphed after that. We realized, and I knew this going in, a code boot camp is extremely hard to build. Oh, I'm sure. And so, keep up with, keep coding moves so quickly. You have to change your curriculum and learn new stuff and bring out new codes like constantly. It's, yes. it's pretty tough. It's always changing. Um, so we ended up realizing maybe we shouldn't build one of these from scratch. Maybe we should partner with somebody who has one. And we were fortunate to, we reached out to a company in California called Hack Reactor, mm-hmm. and they are considered the Harvard of coding boot camps. They have really good outcomes. 
Um, the people they also who, have a really cool name. The name is incredible. <laughs> the branding is that's what lured me in. Yeah. Right? And so I hoped that when we investigated them, that it would be good. And they 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 really are. Um, people who used to work at Google and YouTube and Facebook are those who wrote the curriculum for Hack Reactor. Oh so, wow, cool. Yeah, we experimented with that last summer, and we are still developing that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, Code City puts on some talks, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Tell, tell me about those. Those are Monday nights? Yes, Monday nights. Okay. Um, at 6 p.m. we meet downtown in a coffee shop, Rust Belt Coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, we thought, hey, let's do some talks that are related to tech. That was the original idea. And um, <laughs> we invited some people out. Um, Bob Tucker was one of our speakers. <laughs> Bob, what do you know about tech? <laughs> oh, I, did, I didn't talk really about technical stuff. I talked about okay. legal stuff, which is <laughs> yes. far more boring. Right. So, but when, necessary. <laughs> Yeah, so we, we early on expanded from just tech to entrepreneurship because it was hard to get a tech person every week to speak. Yeah. And they're closely related, tech and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And then we expanded that to to design and artists as well. So that's kind of our three big areas. And we were inspired by that. Uh, Keith Instone, uh, um, one yeah. of the founders of Tech Toledo, used that model. And we thought, oh, that's really great. Let's let's try that. So, what were those three areas? Uh, tech, entrepreneurship, and design. Perfect. So are the speakers always so almost local like a people? TED Talk. Uh, I think most of them have been, um, there may have been a f- couple from, yeah, most of them are, have been local entrepreneurs w- or lawyers <laughs> or lawyers, right? <laughs> we really questioned up. ourselves. Bob, you're an yeah. entrepreneur, Toledo Matters Media. I mean, oh, come that's on, true. Man. Yeah, 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 there, yeah, there you go. There it is. <laughs> so tell us about some of the speakers you've had. So we've had some that are focused on startups. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby, what was your talk about? Legal pitfalls? It was legal pitfalls for starting a business, yeah. Yeah, and that was really good. Uh, We had a ton of questions for your Q&A, and Bob's talk was really valuable. It really gave people practical information that that they were able to go ahead and launch and kind of know what what they were doing or where to turn if they got over their head. Right. Bob's probably on the end of people who didn't get that talk and made terrible business decisions. <laughs> right. On a daily Starting basis. a business yes. with us. <laughs> exactly. Mistake. Um, okay. So how did that morph into this Hyperloop initiative we've got here? Okay. So thanks for asking that. Um, one of our core, when we wrote the mission for Code City, it's it's very lofty and it's kind of long. I'm going to try to quote it. Um, Let's see. The, if, I'll look it up. Let's see if you can do it. Okay. Yeah. Check me here. So it was, um, uh, it was, we want to transform the image of the Rust Belt from a lost and dying industrial wasteland to the place where civilization was disrupted once again by people who built what the world had not yet imagined. It's a mouthful. It yeah. is. It's really long. And <laughs> but it's good. I we like need it to though. cut that down. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I, I like the sentiment. Okay, good. Well, it's kind of absurdly audacious, right? Yeah, to yeah, try to yeah, disrupt yeah. civilization. Um, but the idea was innovation. We wanted to create a space that would inspire people to innovate. So if someone came down and didn't know how to start a business, they might meet a lawyer, they might meet a a business mentor who could guide them in the direction. So for a while, one of our mantras was crack the code, whatever you want to do. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And and that was kind of a fail safe in case we couldn't build the coding bootcamp and Mm -hmm. it still is our backup plan. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, so the way that tied into the Hyperloop was we thought, well, I've been a fan of this Hyperloop idea since 2013 or so. We should probably pause, okay? Because all of our listeners probably don't know, know what, what the a Hyperloop, Hyperloop is. is right? why, why don't you if you start don't, there. stop listening. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, so no. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Hyperloop is a uh, form of transport, cargo, and humans. Um, it would travel at nearly the speed of sound. Wow. One of the best ways I can describe it is to imagine taking a jet 
and without the wings and basically a capsule and put that in a tube and a jet flying at airline speeds close to the ground in a low pressure no uh, environment. Yes, there'd be some friction, but n- a near vacuum. So mm-hmm. it would be very, very is minimal. Is it a magnetic pull that drives it? or? Well, there is a uh, magnetic levitation is used. So another analogy is to take a magnetic levitation train, which we already have, right. that reach speeds over 200 miles an hour. Take that same train and put that into a low air pressure environment. And for the same energy input, you can triple or quadruple the speed. Wow. Yeah. Because cool. en- they say that friction is the enemy of speed. So, right. and, and that air, that drag is what, what slows the magnetic levitation trains down. Mm-hmm. So you saw the Hyperloop idea popping up around and you thought, this seems like a good spot for it here? Oh, well, at first I just was, it was sci-fi. I thought, oh, th- <laughs> this is the Jetsons. And I was enthralled. It was magical, right? It does look a lot like the Jetsons. <laughs> it, yeah, right? I think they had one, didn't they? They did, but it, there was no pot. I think George Jetson just got in the tube. Yeah, and it's like a pneumatic tube that he <laughs> right. traveled through. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and Elon Musk is credited with popularizing that in 2013. He wrote a really high-level engineering white paper. It's 50 or 60 pages. I've read it. It's on the SpaceX website. It's still there if anybody mm-hmm. wants to read it. And he describes one way in which the Hyperloop can be built, and. He put out an open call for people. He said, guys, this has to happen. Uh, This is so uh, disruptive to not just transportation, but the way humanity lives. And as many people who follow Elon Musk know, he's busy making us an interplanetary species. He wants us to get to Mars. And And taking really cool pictures of his car. And really well, cool pictures of his car. I don't know if you guys watched that launch, but those yeah, two, the two booster jets landing in perfect oh. unison. It looked like a, it looked like it was fake, like you'd, something you'd see in a B sci-fi movie. It like was the so first crazy. moon landing. I was pretty amazed by that whole. Yeah, no, that, that, whole that was process. pretty great. Yeah, me too. I got goosebumps watching that video for sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he was busy with Tesla and mm-hmm. Solar City and making battery packs, and he said, "Guys, somebody has to pick." take this mantle up and build this Hyperloop. And uh, one of my favorite quotes from him about the Hyperloop is he said, it's so easy my interns could do it. So (laughs) there's really no question. That's bold. (laughs) It is. He has good interns, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, But, you know, I think his point with that statement was, there's really nothing new that has to be invented to make the Hyperloop. All the technologies exist and we use them. They're just not integrated. Mm Mm-hmm. So he called upon us to put this together. How is it powered? Um, well, it's energy agnostic, meaning that it can use any energy as- source that is available. Um, early models show solar panels all across the top. So okay. that will probably okay. be one form that's always there. Mm-hmm. But there are some that show using wind um, and kinetic energy, regenerative ba- braking. Mm-hmm. So uh, it just boils down to it needs electricity, right? It needs electricity. And it can all it can totally run on completely renewable green energy, at right. no fossil fuels or emissions. You had mentioned one time with me when we were chatting, um, potentially algae powering that. That's something unique here to Toledo. We thought, how could we solve this <laughs> algae problem? So one of the guys on our team, he's a genius. His name's Lewis Lane. No relation to Superman's girlfriend. And uh, he came up with an idea to use algae as a biofuel. And I thought, oh, wow, you know, even if this just contributes 2% to yeah. the energy input, that's a good use of something that otherwise has no, yeah. no Well, we've got plenty of algae. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> just got to capture it. Yeah. <laughs> so how real is a Hyperloop project in Toledo? 
well, a couple of weeks ago, uh, our wildest dreams kind of came true. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we, when we started out, it was initiative of Code City. We simply wanted the two major companies. It's Hyperloop Transportation Technologies, who we have since partnered with, and Hyperloop One, who is a fierce competitor, competitor of HTT. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hyperloop One is Elon Musk. No, actually, Elon Musk is neither one. Oh, really? Yeah. He, oh. he has his own company called The Boring Company. He's working on tunneling yeah. technology. Yep. He is interested in building the Hyperloop, but he's not a founder okay. of either of those. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Hyperloop One, the company we're not working with, they had a contest, I think, last year calling to the world, hey, where, where should the first uh, Hyperloop routes be? Mm-hmm. And a Chicago to Columbus route came up as a finalist. And I and a couple of my friends here thought, oh, that'd be really neat, except we think there are several reasons why it's better to actually build it from Chicago through Toledo to Cleveland and then on to New York. So we wrote a letter, an open letter to them. And that was our only goal was to get Hyperloop One and HTT or somebody. We even looked for Elon Musk's email address to say, guys, <laughs> just build it here. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, Danny, yes, um, it was announced less than two weeks ago that NOACA, a part of the Cleveland Northeast Ohio something, 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 mm-hmm. and the Illinois Department of Transportation signed an agreement with HTT to the plan is to build the first Hyperloop in North America from Cleveland to Chicago, and it'll take 30 minutes, and it will go right through Toledo. Wow. Does that mean we have a so stop you could, here? So or? you could like go yes. to Chicago yep. for dinner and come back in the same like evening? Oh, yes. That's yep. amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and to that point, it would literally transform the way humans live. We base who we date, where we eat, where we work on physical proximity, and yeah. we're limited to how far we can drive reasonably. So... In a sense, Toledo would become a suburb of Chicago. It would be no big deal to work in Chicago, live here. Right. I so, bet the commute would even be shorter here than for some people who live in Chicago. Oh, yeah. There's no yeah. traffic. Right? I th- yeah, I think mm-hmm. people in, live in Chicago that commute at least drive for 30 minutes every morning, for sure. Yes. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So we're going to get a stop here? Well, what? how I envision that happening yep. um, is there are what are called hyperlinks. Mm-hmm. So there will be entry points. I guess a good analogy are exit ramps on a highway. Okay. So if you're in Cleveland and you're going to Chicago, you don't have to stop in Toledo first, right. but you can. And so the, the the speed at which the pods would fire would facilitate actually many hyperlinks. There's actually going to be a stop in Sandusky, and you guys probably know why. See the point. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's like so, a roller coaster to get to the roller coasters. <laughs> yes, no doubt. Yeah, it'd be a little disappointing. You, you're going on the speed of sound thing, and then you're just going on right. the roller What's coaster. up with these slow roller coasters? Yeah. This, is, this is lame. Boring. Yeah, actually, that's, that's a good point. So uh, the, the point of the Hyperloop is to connect as much of the population as possible. Mm-hmm. So Now, is the construction... Um, is it... it, it the materials and all this stuff, is it something that is like a cost, it's going to cost $100 billion to make, or is it is it formed around it being affordable to create as well? Yes. Every engineering metric you use to gauge the Hyperloop, cost, safety, speed, it it wins other against other forms of transportation. So for instance, they ha- we're going to develop a magnetic levitation train in California from San Francisco to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think the estimate was $65 billion to build. <laughs> Then you have the operation costs, which are very extensive. There are power stations along a maglev train that have to be built and operated. And Elon Musk said, hey, guys, I think we can build the Hyperloop for maybe five to six billion. 
and the operating costs are dram- dramatically lower. Hmm. So why? Uh, it has to do with the energy input. I think for like the electricity, yeah. the the technology that's used for a maglev train is completely different than all, all the models of the Hyperloop that I've seen. Mm-hmm. So where do we go from here? We have this kind of agreement between the folks in Cleveland and Chicago and and Hyperloop TT, you yes. said? Yep, H-T-T. So, so I imagine we're going to get some money somewhere. we got to get the land somewhere. How's Bob, it, I thought you were happen? this. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good questions. Um, so there have been uh, several forms of funding. Uh, there's been actual cash. There's been land. There's been time uh, donated that... The, actual first step started a few days ago. It's a feasibility study. Um, I want to say, and don't quote me on this, that there's one and a half million dollars given for these teams of engineers to go out and actually study five different corridors from Chicago to Cleveland. Um, two of those that I think are, that were on our radar, that one, one of them that we put in our letter is actually the turnpike. 8090 runs from Chicago to New York. Yep. And we had said, hey guys, if you build the Hyperloop, uh, raised above the median on on cement pylons, then you save all that millions, if not billions, in infrastructure costs. You don't have to build new bridges. You don't and have to buy the new, land. To right. buy the land, yeah, yeah all that. Um, so that was a huge component. And then, fortunate for Toledo, the longest north route, north south route through the U.S. I believe is seventy five. Right. And eighty ninety and seventy five cross at Toledo. That's mm-hmm. incredible. So we, we would be at the center of this first phase. It seems to make sense. I mean, for it to stop here, you're saying it carries goods and stuff as well. We're next to, a, you know, our waterfront that connects to the ocean and has, you know, could have tons of stuff connecting with this thing to move goods back and forth between New York and Chicago and everything. Oh, no doubt. And that brings up a good point. The, the port frontage, like in San Francisco Bay, that's beautiful real estate that's oftentimes cluttered with, you know, shipping containers Mm -hmm. and the Hyperloop, there can be uh, kind of a a floating or an offshore point for the pods to come in. And so we could actually open that up for beautification and re-urban planning at the mouth of Lake Erie. Hmm. So yeah, no doubt. Nice. So the first phase is Cleveland to Chicago with stops in Sandusky and Toledo. Yeah. Yeah. What's after that? Well then phase two, and I'm going off memory here, NOACA released a, a map. And it would then connect Detroit. It would connect Cincinnati, uh, Indianapolis, Columbus, um, Pittsburgh, uh, all the way up north of Lake Erie, so Buffalo and Toronto. It, it basically is It's called the Great Lakes Hyperloop. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the Great Lakes mega region. It's one of the largest, most populated regions in North America. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, that's what's so awesome about it. it. connects all those major cities, and Toledo's at the center of that. So how incredible. So, so what are you doing to help this make come into fruition? Well, we've had to shift our mission. At first, it was just to get their attention. And we don't take any credit for, oh, they came here because of us. We, we would like <laughs> to think that. Um, we think that they independently saw the study and or did a study themselves and said, hey, this makes sense. Um, three or four months ago, the executive staff started liking my personal Instagram photos only of the Hyperloop and Ooh. our Hyperloop Instagram. And I, I thought it was a friend tricking me at first. <laughs> um, so we looked at uh, one of the, uh, I can't remember his title, Andrea Lamandola. Yeah. He um, w- was liking some of the photos and I, I went over and thought, is this real? And sure enough, it was. We've had an, kind of an ongoing conversation for a few months and uh, actually just spoke with them again yesterday to become part of their crowd-powered platform. 
Well, which is what? <laughs> okay. Wait, we keep going down rabbit trails, right? Yeah. Uh, so Dirk Alborn, who's actually the founder of Hyper. What a name. Yeah, he's from Germany. Yeah. I, I hope I'm saying Dirk. that right, Dirk, if you ever Dirk hear Alborn. this. Dirk <laughs> Oh, he listens frequently. <laughs> okay, good. One of our right We have yeah. a huge German uh, following. <laughs> right, okay. Jawohl. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was part of a nonprofit incubator for NASA around 2012 or 13. Dang. And... They started, you guys know what crowdsourcing is. Sure, sure. It's where you call upon all the experts from the world to solve a problem. Well, they had, he started a new incubator that was, a, their tagline was a new way to build a company. So rather than build it the traditional way, where we're all real protective and behind closed doors and secretive, and then you announce it, he said, from the beginning, let's open this up to anybody who wants to contribute and give them equity in the company. And they have achieved something quite phenomenal. I think they have over 800 partners all over the world, people from Tesla and Boeing and MIT and UCLA and NASA. They all work after their regular jobs contributing to Hyperloop because they believe in it so much. And they're working for free in hopes that it actually <laughs> comes to fruition and then can be, yeah, so. Well, for free, but they but they own equity as it. So if it did take off there's a there's a long-term you know reward oh possibly. totally yep that's cool so if somebody wanted to learn more or maybe get involved send you some positive notes where can they find some info at well we do have a website for hyperloop it's hyperloopx.co okay um that's our site here in toledo so our local group is called hyperloop x yep and uh we are the Toledo team for Hyperloop Transportation Technologies. Mm -hmm. um, so we also have our Code City website, which is codecity.co. And that tells you a little more about some of the other things we're doing. And um, Monday nights at 6. Those are it, Come on out and ask questions. That's how people can get connected. And they're always at Rust Belt downtown, right? Yeah. Cool. 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 Well, now it's time to have a little fun. Okay. We're going to do a little <laughs> Toledo Matters trivia. Uh, no matter how well you do today, Nate, you are going to be going home with, this is the first time we've ever had this, a special blend of actual coffee. Ooh, okay. uh, Lance brewed us a Nate's special blend. Roasted at hyper speeds, this coffee will throw you through a loop. That is incredible. I love it. Oh, they even made a sticker, guys. Oh, yeah. I wish you could see yeah. this. This is incredible. And a lovely Toledo Matters coffee mug. Oh, this wow. is our last of the originals. This is for you, my friend. I hope you do well on this trivia. We have to order some more is what we need to do. Thank you, guys. You yeah. give great gifts. This is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lance, for the custom job. All right. <laughs> Question number one. In the early 20th century, what Toledo company was host to the second largest automobile manufacturing plant in the world? Could these are all gonna be, Yep. These okay. are all going to be about uh, transportation okay. and firsts and big things in Toledo. Question one. In the early 20th century... What Toledo company was host to the second largest automobile manufacturing plant in the world, second only to Ford? Jeep. Well, I guess you're kind of right. Chrysler. Sure. Uh, Willys Overland. Willys they Overland. made the Jeep. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, I think, I think we'll give him Jeep on that. Okay. Yeah, I, I ding. Good, close enough for government work. <laughs> All right. <laughs> question number two, and these did harder as we go. Three questions, one bonus. Question number two. When Toledo's first skyscraper, the NASB building, was completed in 1893, what landed on top of the building to christen its opening? Was it a dove? No. It was a hot air balloon. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
That's we a, could plant a, a dove. That would have been great. That's, yeah. a, that's <laughs> a difficult hot air balloon maneuver to land on top of a building, man. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Uh, they were a bit smaller, the hot air balloons. I Googled it. <laughs> These uh, are good questions. <laughs> question number three. What opened just south of downtown Toledo in 1950 and was hailed by the New York Times as the $5 million dream of 40 years? Oh, my gosh. Can you repeat that one yep. more time? Yep. What opened just south of downtown Toledo in 1950 and was hailed by the New York Times as the $5 million dream of 40 years? I'm trying to. I'm scanning. It's right on par. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to envision south of Toledo. Is it, can I have clues? Is this a building or a structure? Uh, yes. Okay. So, just south of downtown. Remember, transportation is our category. Oh, the bridge. The train station. Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And we had talked about that one. Oh yeah, we did. Uh, all right. Bonus question. In 1933, what pilot drew an arrow on top of the historic Hillcrest Hotel, signaling to other pilots the direction of the local airfield? Charles Lindbergh. Amelia Earhart. <laughs> oh, I, Wait, it was going to be one or the other, right? Right. right. Yeah. Uh, the two pilots for your information, if you follow me on Instagram, you would have known two of those four questions. So wait, I you do follow Amelia, me, so you're horrible. Amelia Earhart drew a, an arrow on the top of the building to point towards the airport? Yes. It's amazing. That's really neat. Yep. And that is cool. I've been on that roof in the past two weeks. It's no longer there. <laughs> That's <laughs> unfortunate. <but. laughs> they have like instruments that show them where the airport is now, I think. Do they? Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks so. for playing with us. <laughs> yeah. uh, had some fun. Thanks, Dana. Great questions. I don't ever want to play that again. <laughs> you, you did pretty good with the questions. I, I like that. Yeah, this that is good, a rare man. rare day yeah. of compliments. A rare, you guys. A rare day you. of Danny actually prepped for the show. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, so, so the other thing we like to do with all of our guests is, is ask you about a hidden gem in the Toledo area that you know about that you think more people ought to know about. So this is some, this could be really, any, don't throw the disclaimer out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, any place thing, restaurant, food, what have you that you think more people need to know about. I've always been a huge fan of Inky's pizza. Ooh. And I feel like there are a lot of people who know about it, but I do encounter many who don't. I don't think I've ever heard of this. Place. I don't really. The, no. the reason I know it is, uh, one of the Incavelia family members went to my grade school. Tell like, me more. Um, Tell me more. You're behind okay. me. But, yeah. yeah. I actually had a friend take me there in the early 90s, and um, the pizza is so different. It's I imagine taking like the Pillsbury uh, biscuits in the pop-up can. Mm -hmm. You take those and you smash them down. It's real, real dense and flaky and multiple layers. That's how the crust is. It's mm. crispy on the bottom but doughy next to the cheese. Oh. Mm. And then the cheese is almost thicker than the pizza. So it's really thin, but it's super dense. Okay. And... The first time I had it, it was so different. I I didn't know what to think, and then I woke up in the middle of the night craving it. Right. So I've been going. You're ever like since. shaking in the. <laughs> uh, where is this place? It's on North Detroit in Sylvania, block or two away from Mancy's Steakhouse. Okay, and it's and, called Inky's Pizza. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very. That's involved. a good one. Have they been yeah. around since like the 40s or something? A long time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the whole... Toledo staple as well. Yeah, I haven't been there since I was a kid, but mm -hmm. yeah. You said their family name was what? Incavilia, I think. And they've been around since the 40s. I I'm just saying it. They're, they're in the mob. <laughs> no, 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 no. A Bob's pizza friends place are in the, the mob. No. Heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, well, I'll definitely we'll have to check that out because oh, I've, yeah. I've never experienced it. Yeah. Field trip. Yeah, yep. yeah. I've been there in decades. So, well, well, Nate, thank you very much for coming on the show. We we really appreciate. Yeah, thank it. you. And best of luck with Code City Hyperloop, all that stuff. Oh, we, thank you guys so much for having for you. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for the 47th episode of the Toledo Matters podcast. Danny, take us on out. 
For more information on Nate, Code City, and Hyperloop X, visit CodeCity.co or HyperloopX.co. The Toledo Matters Podcast is always recorded out of the magnificent recording studios of Waveflow Media. For your audio engineering and recording studio needs, check out WaveflowMedia.com. A huge thank you to the Toledo Matters Trivia Prize sponsor, Actual Coffee. For the finest in actual coffee, freshly roasted, visit ActualCoffee.com. Another thank you to our fabulous designer, our logo. Much of the branding package you see was created by Jacob Parr. For more of his incredible work, please visit jacobparr.design. Additional social media support for the Toledo Matters podcast comes via Peacock Social. Check out peacocksocial.com. And you can always get more information about this show and a map of the hidden gems that our guests have mentioned at toledomatters.com. And thank you, Toledo, for tuning in and making Toledo matter. Until next time, we wish you well.